DJ and PK brought to you by WCF Insurance, reminding you to be careful out there. Coming up this morning, Steve Cleveland's going to join us about an hour. Our basketball insider will talk to him about the jazz, the scrimmages, the NBA restarting Thursday. The scrimmages will be done and the regular season will get going. Pick back up eight games and the Jazz will play the Pelicans Thursday Thursday afternoon. So we got that coming up. Bob Casper is going to join us in a moment uh, to talk golf here. Tony Finau, former West High Panther, with another top ten finish. 30 of them now over the last three and a half seasons, which is a lot. Also the most without a victory. And that is a... Uh, that is a number he would definitely like to change. Bob Casper joining us now from Real Golf Radio. You hear him Saturday mornings with Brian Taylor. They're on for three hours, getting you up to date on the world of golf. He joins us right now on the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Bob, good morning. Hey, guys. How you doing? Good. So... Tony Finau, the West High yeah. Panther. Before we get into all the, the numbers and all that, how, how, well uh-huh. do you, how well do you know Tony? Because he was a story as a teenager, so uh, this would be kind of unusual, a, a touring pro that you knew in his teens, possibly. Yeah, yeah. I can, you know, I can, we used to have our studio down there at Thanksgiving Point, and we'd see him walk in and out all the time, hitting, hitting golf balls and there to practice and play and that kind of thing, but... You know, Tony was a guy that um, my my son Mason. Um, they were kind of around the same age, and um, so they played a lot of high school golf and junior golf together. Um, became pretty good friends, and um, Tony, like you said, turned professional right after high school. Decided that he wasn't going to go to college, and and it took him a while to get out on the PGA tour. But you know, he played he played the Canadian tour, he played the Corn Ferry tour. Um, one on the Corn Ferry Tour. Uh, also, um, you know, he's, he's played the PGA Tour now since 2015. So he's in his fifth year season. He has one win. It was an opposite field event down in Puerto, Puerto Rico. But, but nonetheless, still a win on the PGA Tour. And he's still, he's still trying to get his second win. He's come close many, many times, especially um, this year when he lost. Well, Last year, he lost to Xander Shoffley in a WGC event over in, over in Asia. And then this year, he lost to Webb Simpson. But, you know, you look at his last couple of weeks, uh, he has an eighth, um, and he has a third. And um, I like the way he's trending. I like the way he's playing. Um, and it's just a matter of time before he gets over the hump. And when he does, he's going he's gonna to be more, feel more comfortable with it, and, um, and he's going to win a lot more. So what specifically do you think he needs, Bob, to get over that hump? Well, you know, I, in, in talking with um, some people in his camp this week or this last week, um, when I had heard about uh, him letting his caddy go, um, you know, I think one of the things is is that, that he gets somebody on the bag that can push him, that can um, not require not require him to, uh, to be kind of uh, – I guess conservative because that's that's not Tony. It doesn't seem like that's Tony's game. He's he's can what he, he's what I call or to term conservative aggression. And and Tony's a guy that's got distance, 
um, and he needs to be able to maximize on on that opportunity. You know, he's he's a guy that hits it as far, if not farther, than Bryson DeChambeau. He hits it farther, if not, than uh, Dustin Johnson and um, Brooks Kepka. Um, you know, all the guys that are long guys in the game, Tony can hit it right up with him. Uh, he's kind of dialed his game back a little bit to try to be more consistent. But in the last couple of weeks, he's become a little bit more aggressive off the tee and tried to hit the ball further down the fairway. So as, as he does that and as he gets a caddy on the bag that's going to push him instead of let him kind of lay back a little bit, especially in those latter parts of, of a golf tournament in the, in the late rounds, then I think you're going to see him have more birdie opportunities and then, have, and then be able to make some of those um, and to win a golf tournament. So <clears throat> I'm, I'm curious here with the 30, he's got 30 top 10s now in the last three and a half uh-huh. years without a win. And I think there are guys who have that many top 10s, but they have wins. The guys who don't have wins, nobody else has more than 15 of them. So right. how much should he be congratulating himself on the, uh, on the rounding the game into shape that you're in the top 10 all the time and how much do you think it's at the forefront of his brain that man, I have got to win? Well, I think I think that's I think that's right up there. Um, you know that the forefront of his brain is is saying, yeah, you know, and and maybe maybe he puts a little bit too much pressure on himself to begin with. I mean, when I when I look at what he's able to do, um, you know, in the first three rounds of, of any golf tournament, his scoring average is phenomenal. He's in the he's in the top fifteen on the PGA Tour. Uh, in first round, he's he's ninth. His scoring average. Second round, he's fourteenth in scoring average. And third round, he's thirteenth in, in scoring average. But this is the kicker right here. In his fourth round scoring average, he's, his scoring average is seventy one point three three, which is one hundred sixty fifth on tour. So he he needs to learn how to get that final round scoring average down in in the range that he's you know in the in the sixty nine range um, on average like like his other rounds are concerned and uh and i think i think he'll he'll get through it but uh, you know my dad always said that when the pressure's on there's two things that can happen one that you you go after it and and you enjoy it and relish having the pressure on you want the ball so to speak um you know to put it in the basketball term give me the ball i want to shoot it or um people shy away from it um, and Tony doesn't shy away from it. Tony, Tony loves the pressure. Um, you've seen him uh, have tons of pressure on him in a Ryder Cup situation, also in a President's Cup situation, and he's been able to perform. So I don't, I don't doubt that at all. Um, what, what, what he needs to do is just figure out how to score better in a, in a final round. And once he does that, then he's going to win golf tournaments. So then, that's sort of a, a longer way of saying that it's all mental. It can be. You bet it can be. Um, but I think when when you're talking about, like I said, the the pressure, um, getting down to uh, the final nine holes of a, of a championship or whatever, um, it is a mental game. Um, and the guys that are able to handle it the best are are, are able to perform the best um, under that type of a situation. So Tony's learning that. I mean, here's a guy that, that like you said, um, he turned professional at the age of 17. 
um, he, it took him a long time to get, you know, eight, nine years to get out on the PGA Tour. Um, it's, it's a process. And Tony's, Tony, you know, he, he won, he won um, at each level as he's going along. He's won on the PGA Tour. Um, but, you know, to get your first one is one thing. To get your second one and more than that is, is a little bit more difficult. Um, and so, um, because, because it, like you said, PK, it, it, it deals with your mind a little bit more, man, I've won once. I need to win more. I need to win multiple more. I need to win a major. Um, he's put himself in contention in majors many, many times. Um, so it's, it's in, in my opinion, uh, everybody wants this, this, gratification to happen quickly and that kind of thing. I, 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 in my opinion, Tony's right where he needs to be. Um, he's top, top 25 in FedEx cup points right now. Um, he's had five top tens this, this year so far. Uh, he's only missed three cuts. He's made a couple million dollars already on the PGA tour in a crazy year where they had to take three months off. Um, and he's come back and he's come back very strong. And I think uh, I think he's he just needs to keep on the same track that he's going, and uh, and like like I said, get somebody on the bag that's going to push him a little bit to uh, to be a better player. Bob Casper joining us, Real Golf Radio, right here on ninety-seven five at twelve eighty, the Zone. I don't know if this question will say end up saying more about Tony or you know more about you, Bob, but let's go anyway. Um, you know, there's a quote that's older than any of us. Uh, I think it was attributed to Leo DeRosha or 80 or 100 years ago. Nice guys finish last. If you know Tony, he couldn't be nicer. I ran into him long after he'd blown up on the, on the tour, and I'd, I'd known him a little bit when he was a t- teenager, mm-hmm. doing a couple TV interviews and stories and stuff. And I saw him at Ron McBride's uh, tournament. He was there. He was saying hi to everybody who was coming through. No arrogance, couldn't have been more grounded. But I know that in sports, you know, some of the best athletes in multiple sports we know can all be a little bit of a bleep. And a lot of people believe you got to be a little bit of a bleep to be the other incredibly physically gifted athletes in whatever your sport is. Does that work against him? You know, and you know, through your dad, you've been around some of the best golfers in the game. And some people can actually turn that on and off a little bit. They've got that, but they're very good at limiting it just to the competition. Other people, you know, just have it all the time. What do you think about that? Do you buy any of the whole nice guys finish last and he just needs to be a little bit more of a, you know, killer instinct and grinder? Well, I, th- I think he does have a killer instinct. Um, I, th- I think he's a competitor, um, he, but he is an ultra nice guy. He's such a great guy. Um, so, um, <clears throat> excuse me. You know, I think of I think of nice guys. I think of um, you know Phil Mickelson was was the ultimate one of the ultimate nice guys. Phil Mickelson would stay around for a couple two or three hours after losing a major championship and sign autographs. You know, not everybody does that. Um, but yet he, he was a competitor and, and he, he was an assassin and he wanted to, he wanted to beat you on the golf course. I think Tony has that in him. Um, you know, maybe he hasn't developed it to the, to the length of say, uh, you know, a Phil Mickelson or whatever, but Tony's, Tony's learning how, how to be, um, he's learning how to juggle. In other words, um, being a great guy and a super nice guy 
being able to um, maximize his own time and um, and um, and then I think he's he's also learning how uh, like you said to be an assassin to, to be somebody that's gonna that's gonna relish being in a situation and beating the heck out of you uh, it's it's uh, like I said it's a process and uh, and he's he's you know he's performing great um, it's just a matter of time I think before he wins and wins multiple times so on Sunday, he's in contention, obviously, deep into the tournament. A couple putts mm-hmm. don't go his way. Explain yeah. the nature of putting as I related to taking a shot in basketball or baseball. You know, in baseball, you want to put a good swing on it, and then really you can't control what happens. If it's hit at somebody, well, that's the way it goes. Uh, if you hit it over the fence, great. And basketball, you know, you want a good shot. We know a good shot versus a brick. We can visualize that in my, our sure. minds. On the green, you hit a good putt and it doesn't go is that uh, an oxymoron or is it something that you can live with you hit a good putt it just happened to not fall well i think i think it's a little bit of both first of all um you put pressure on yourself to make putts um and that can cause a lot of problems uh second of all once once you strike that ball and it's rolling on the green there's so many influences in in the the texture of the greens um the slope of the greens um, wind, um, all that kind of thing that are totally out of your control. You try to you try to put into your computer or your mind what 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 you see and and what you need to do to to make the putt. But it's it doesn't always necessarily happen that way. Um, but putting is a thing that Tony is starting to improve on. Um, last going into last week, he was uh, what they call strokes strokes gained. Um, on the PGA Tour. In other words, um, strokes gain means that the, the the average person on tour would be a zero uh, in strokes gain putting um, out of all the players that play on tour. Tony is a .127, but really good putters are point are one or two point whatever. Tony right now is 98th on tour. Last going into last week, he was over 100. Um, so he's he's getting better with his putting. That's to me right now. I think that's the thing that Tony is is lacking is consistently good putting week in and week out. And once he, once he, I mean that's that's one of the things that my dad prided himself on uh, was his putting. Tiger Woods a phenomenal putter. Phil Mickelson a phenomenal putter. The guys that figure out their putting and that can make a lot of putts, um, you know, you drive it for show and you putt it for dough, and and that's what that's what Tony needs to work on is his putting right now because it's lacking a little bit. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau went from seventy something to in the top fifteen, um, and and in doing that, he came out on on after this break after COVID, and and he uh, he had straight top tens and won a golf tournament so if he can figure out the putting that's going to lead a lot to the problems that he's having about not making or winning a golf tournament got to stay out there while the fog rolls in in chula vista and it gets dark you almost have to sense the hole am i right bob well well and that's what my dad used to do when he was a little (laughs) kid he used to caddy at san diego country club and they used to go out on the 14th green which is par five way out on the far corner of the golf course when it was dark 
and they used to light matches over the hole and have putting contests um, <laughs> and putt for money. And so, um, you know, it's 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 a lot. It's you know, everybody thinks that you have to practice a lot with you know with your long game, and yes, you need to do that. But when you're lacking in certain areas, it, it requires you a lot of. It, requires a lot of discipline for you to, you know, spend the time putting, spend the time working on, on rolling the ball and, and, um, you know, making that, making the short putts, making the long putts, that kind of thing. Guys win golf tournaments because they're making putts, you know, um, and, uh, Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, any of the guys that are the top players, um, they're making putts to win golf tournaments. PK always says David Locke uh, fell in love with the wrong sport, that he should be doing baseball because he loves the numbers, he loves the analytics. And analytics yeah. and baseball are a great fit because the game isn't free-flowing. You know, it, it's a series of one-on-one matchups. There's a stop and a start. So you can really isolate the numbers. Basketball is okay. Football and soccer are terrible for, for analytics. It, it's just, I'm thinking in golf, you always know these numbers, right? And you got these percentages. Do you know what percentage of a time guys hit 20, 30, 40-foot putts on tour? Obviously, the speed of the greens, the conditions, how wet they are, how much break is in a putt influences all of that. Is it worth drilling into all of that to know how often guys are supposed to hit what we would consider just monster monster putts under pressure? Yeah, so um, so the PGA Tour has all these stats, um, and and uh, you know he, he you look at Tony's stats. You know he makes ninety nine percent of his putts from three feet. He makes ninety percent of his putts from four feet. He makes eighty five percent of his putts from five feet. Sixty seven percent from six feet. Fifty-two percent from seven feet. Now look. Now listen to this. From eight feet, he drops all the way to thirty-eight percent. But from nine feet, he jumps back up to forty-eight percent. So um, you know, putting inside ten feet, he's at eighty-eight percent. Putting from ten to fifteen feet, he's at thirty-one percent. Uh, Fifteen to twenty, he's at thirteen percent. Twenty-five, he's at. He, he actually makes more putts from twenty to twenty-five feet than he does from fifteen to twenty feet. So. Um, you know, there there are lots of stats and everything like that, but you know, I, I think overall putting, um, you just you just have to work on it, get a feel for it. Putting putting has a lot to do with mechanics, but it's all about getting the ball in the hole. And and um, players like Ben Crenshaw, my dad, um, Tiger Woods, whatever, they have a knack and a feel for the situation. Not only that, but also how to get the ball in the hole, um, to roll it in such a way that it has a chance and an opportunity to go in there every time. Bob, as always, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for coming on. All right, guys. Take care. Bob Casper, check him out on Real Golf Radio Saturday mornings with Brian Taylor. PK, I hear him talk about putting and those numbers, and it's just it, it reminds me of your theory on shooting against the 24-second clock. You know, Tony Finau at eight feet isn't as good as Tony when he gets out to nine feet. The further out you get, the less pressure there is. It's like there's pressure when you shoot with seven seconds on the clock, but when there's one second on the clock, there's no pressure, so you just let it rip. Let it rip, yes. I got to admit, man, when he was going on that numbers, I started to look at my phone, but that's just <laughs> me. Uh, and I, I, I don't think your, your boy didn't fall in love with basketball. Your, your boy got paid by basketball. Uh, I think that uh, wherever, wherever, wherever the paycheck's coming, that's where you're falling in love. 
But uh, sure, yeah, you can argue that. They're, you're expected to make a five-footer and not expected as much percentage-wise to make a 15-footer. So you're looser. Yeah, there's something to be said for that. That's what I was trying to say as far as the putting. How much of it is the will, you know? Why could uh, somebody make a free throw under pressure and somebody couldn't? Well, because it's just that. It's under pressure. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. The Jazz are back at it. Your reaction to the first couple of scrimmages coming up next. Stay with us. Basketball is back. The Zone Sports Network is keeping you up on all the latest news with the Utah Jazz in the NBA. This is a back-to-basketball update. Oh, he never looked at the net. Presented by Zions Bank on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. New York Knicks have reportedly agreed to terms with Tom Thibodeau to make him the franchise's new head coach on a five-year contract. He'll be the Knicks' fifth head coach in the last five years. Pelicans forward Zion Williamson re-entered the NBA bubble over the weekend. He's going through a four-day quarantine, which will end just before their game against the Jazz on Thursday as both those teams restart the NBA season in Orlando. Clippers guard Lou Williams will be quarantined for 10 days after he left the bubble to attend a viewing for a family friend but went to an Atlanta strip club for a short time. Dallas Mavericks forward Kristaps Porzingis and Denver Nuggets forward Paul Millsap each missed playing in their team scrimmages over the weekend as they missed their daily tests in the bubble. Each was subject to a one-day quarantine until they were able to be tested again. And Blazers star Damian Lillard sat out the scrimmage with inflammation in his left foot. Head coach Terry Stott said next year he was negative. They expect him back soon. This back-to-basketball update is presented by Zions Bank on 97.5, 1280 The Zone of the Zone Sports Network. For a bank that understands your business, Zions Bank is for you. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. A lot of times people will ask me if you wouldn't have been a professional football player, if you wouldn't have been a radio analyst, what would you have been? I always tell them a paleontologist. I, We've done shows for a long time. You've never, ever mentioned that ever. I know. Paleontology? What? Maybe if you showed more I interest was, in the things I'm interested in. Was it just in? because of Laura Dern in Jurassic Park? Because you say that, then I'm like, okay, I got you. You know, Sam Neill was never right for her. Now, Dr. Hans. Dr. Hans. <laughs> Girl, nature always finds a way. I don't know how you guys take my dreams and just crumple them up like a piece of paper and throw it right back in my face. Oh, man. Catch Hans and Scotty every day. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Syringa Networks, home to complete business telecom and IT solutions. Backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communications for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. All right, PK, we got the question of the day up on our Facebook page. Long weekend, holiday weekend, so uh, the Jazz played two scrimmages since last we saw everybody. What were your impressions of the first two Jazz scrimmages? And uh, Douglas says, people actually watched? Yeah, I think they did, and one of them was Clark. He says, it's clear that Donovan is not a star in this league. He's a Jamal Crawford. Good player you want on your team, but not someone you can build your team around. Rudy is that guy. Well, PK, Rudy and Donovan. Going to be a story with people with different takes forever. Am I right? Yes. I think you're right about that for as long as they last together, for sure. But that's not that unusual when you have two players who made the All-Star team and they're in their prime. Mitchell's approaching his prime. Gobert's probably in his prime. 
I disagree with the idea of that Donovan Mitchell is Jamal Crawford. I disagree with that vehemently. Uh, I'm not saying that he is going to be the best player on a team that wins a title. Bingo. I'm not sure that's there, a possibility. There you go. See, he is a star in the league, and he can be a star on a team in the top half of the league. I think he can be a star on a team in the top quarter of the league. The question is, can you be a star on one of the three, four, or five best teams in the league? Can you be a star on one of the top two and get your team to the finals? Can you be a star on the title team? You know, an A star is also different than being the star. And I think people interchange that and don't realize what they're doing. But being a star versus being the star on a team is also... Pippen was a star on the Bulls. He wasn't the star on the Bulls. Gasol was a star on the Lakers, but he wasn't the star on the Lakers. I think that's another, uh, another line that's got to be crossed. Well, yeah, I mean, you don't have to go back 10, 15 years. You can just go back to last year. Clay Thompson. I mean, they didn't win it last year, but Siakam, Lowry, the other Gasol. I mean, Leonard was the guy. Uh, but they have other good players who have made all-star teams. Uh, yeah, but as far as the Jazz winning a title, I don't think they're ever going to have – the best player in the league, unless they draft him. And it's like they're too good to draft that player because they've got all their ducks in line with ownership and management and seems to, and coaching that that stuff seems to be very good. So, therefore, they're never going to finish to the point where they can get – got to have two, you got to have some things break your way. You've got to suck at the right time. And, I'm, and then you've got to win the lottery, and I'm looking at San Antonio. They sucked at the right time, and they were able to take advantage of that and pilfer from the draft Duncan and Robinson, right, in reverse order, but nevertheless, you get the point. And so they were able to build on that for many, many years. So I think that there's been teams that win a title that don't necessarily have the best player in the league all the time. You're only looking for one. You know, we're talking about Tony Fino. We're not talking about him winning ten. We're talking about him winning one here in the in the states. I think Bob had said Puerto Rico. I think it was Mexico, but uh, nevertheless, uh, it was you're looking Rico. to win one. Okay, so you're looking to win one. Where can you win one? How can you win one? Do you need the best player in the league every single time to win one? No, you don't. So is Mitchell good enough to be a critical component on a title team? Yes. But he's going to need help. He's going to need, you know, whether it's Gobert or whoever it might be, you're going to need some great players around you. And that's, I think that's their best shot. I don't know that they're ever going to have a dynasty and win two in a row, three out of four, or what have you, but we're not worried about that. We're about finding a way to get one, like Nowitzki got, like the Pistons got, you know, that, that type of situation. So can you have that? You can do that. Well, then it'll be worth it, and then you will have superseded what the statues have done. You haven't yet. You haven't come close. So that's what I'm looking for, that they're never going to have the best player because they're not going to be in a position to acquire them. The best player is probably not going to come here on a free agent situation, probably not going to be able to trade them, probably not going to be able to draft them. But that doesn't mean you cannot get great players, assemble a great team, and then win it all. 
More reaction to the first two scrimmages flowing in Guthrie Insurance. Guthrie insures Utah. Uh, they were practice, dot, dot, dot. Guthrie refuses to draw any big conclusions from scrimmages. They were practice. Well, you don't have to draw big conclusions. You can draw conclusions. They don't necessarily have to be big conclusions. Joshua drew the conclusion that I still love basketball. That was the impression. Just good to have basketball back. And I think ultimately that's what matters. You know, do you enjoy it? Because if you enjoy it, then take advantage of it. And they played. And it was your team, particularly your team. Now, I get it. If you're a fan of the game, or you're a fan of the Jazz, say, but, you know, you don't really have a high interest in watching Dallas and Portland play a practice game. I fully understand that. But this is, if it's your team, why do they get, in some places, my gosh, they get 50, 80, 90, 100,000 to watch a spring football game, right? <laughs> Right. Al State, Alabama, and so forth. Because it's their team. Now, here we don't get that. Crowds had been increasing a little bit. You get a few thousand. Uh, that, I mean, that first year when Kalani was there and Detmer was there, that first year in spring, I tried to do both. The Utes were doing it in the day and the morning, I think, and then the Cougars were doing it later in the afternoon. So I go plan to do both that day. And I can remember, man, I had to park a couple miles away from the Ed because people were excited to see probably a lot of Ty because he was such a hero and Kalani in his first spring game. I don't want to say it was packed, but they had more fans than they normally had. And I had to, because I couldn't get there early because I was at Utah's game, I got there late, right? But I still wanted to get there. And I and I asked somebody to give me a ride back to my car <laughs> because it was so far. So that's just a prac. That's not even a practice game in a sense because you're just playing each other. Well, here it's Jazz. It's your team. If you want to watch it? I'm all for it, man. Because it's your team. They're out there, and I think you can have fun with it. And and you can not necessarily draw definitive conclusions, but you can look for stuff. And that's what we do, man. We're sports fans, and we all got opinions on this stuff. And so we draw maybe uh, some overstated conclusions sometimes. I know I'm guilty of that. But at the same time, you try to keep perspective. And I kept, I thought I kept perspective on what I saw, but I did see some stuff that I thought was encouraging because I actually think that with Bogdanovich out, it can benefit them for next season. Not necessarily now but for next season. Because other guys have to step into bigger roles, force everybody to stretch and grow a little bit, improve, carry a little more of the burden. Yeah, and then you can draw some confidence. If Niang goes out there and plays well, then he enters next season with a lot more confidence and, and resolute just belief that you belong there and this is what you can do. And you, you look at that, man. Why do some guys hit game-winning shots and other guys don't? You know, why does some guy? Why do some guys make putts and other guys don't? Why do you have a better putting percentage from twenty feet than you have from ten feet? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. It shouldn't be that way. And yet, yeah, there it is. Expectations. Now get to that point yeah. where where you have that ten footer. And you know it's going in, man. 
You just know it because give me that putter. Golf's not really get out of my way. It doesn't. That's not the way the sport is. But you get the point. It's the mindset, and Tony gets that. There's no reason why he doesn't because he, to me right now when I look at Tony Finau, I see him as a poor man's Dustin Johnson. Dustin Johnson got it done. Got it done. So why can't Tony? A poor There's man's no reason why he can't. A poor man's yeah. Dustin Johnson. That's that's actually pretty good, PK. Did you work on that or it just came yeah. to you? Hits the ball a long way, in contention, looks good, looks the part. Just got to get over the hump. Yeah. Actually, I didn't just think of it. I was talking to a good friend of mine uh, yesterday, actually. Uh, And we were talking about golf, and we were talking about Tony. And uh, as we were talking, it just sort of came into my line of thinking that, all the talent in the world is there, right? No one's going to deny that. Now find a way, man. And I came away from this tournament yesterday more encouraged than ever that Tony will add to his resume beyond Puerto Rico. I believe he will. And you know I always thought Dustin Johnson for like eight years I kept picking him for every major. <laughs> he did. It was awesome when he yeah. finally won. Because he's like, I called it. I called it 27 <laughs> times, but I called it. He just kept picking. Right, because <laughs> you look at that man and you think, wow, man, this guy, he is a golfer. And, you know, when I look at Donovan Mitchell, I see some of the same stuff. He's a player. And... This kid's got heart. This kid's got determination. What was it? Was it his rookie year? I actually loved it. I know the Jazz got a little upset when he came off the floor underneath the tunnel and he swore about James Harden. Yeah. I th- was that his rookie year? Uh, yeah. I thought that was just awesome. That's what I wanted to see big time. And I know, Mag, I, I, I don't even remember. Did he swear? And it got caught on camera and somebody played it. Yep. But when I saw that, have cameras I that. thought, sweet. And then they change it. You don't want cameras down there. No, I'd say bring him all in. Because to me, if I'm a Jazz fan and I see him that irritated, rather than, this isn't going to ruin my summer. Oh, I used to cringe when I heard that stuff. I, I, no, I want it to ruin your summer. I want you to be so pissed that it's going to ruin your whatever. That's what I want. John Beck took so much freaking heat for crying as a sophomore and th- about ruining his weekend. And then what does he do as a senior? He was awesome as a senior. And does he have Beck to Harleen without the heart that he showed? I don't think he does. Does he go down to Vegas and just blow Oregon off the field when they were se- when he and Caressa and those guys and I already mentioned Johnny and Coach and all those guys were seniors? No. Because he wanted it, and he wanted it bad. He wanted it bad to the point where he was crying, and he took so much crap. And I'm thinking, that's exactly what I want my guys to do. I want them to hurt when they lose. I want them to feel the pain, because that's going to tell me that they want it, and they're going to go get it. And that's what I saw with Mitchell when he, whatever he said, when he came off that floor. So don't be, Mitchell has been discounted and for a guy who's a, a, a an all-star, he's still being disrespected. And I hope that somehow that, that message gets back to him, man. Hey, hey, 
Donovan Mitchell, you're nothing but a Jamal Crawford. <laughs> uh, I'm sure Not he's, that Jamal Crawford is bad, but Mitchell's better than that. I'm sure he's a star, and I'm sure he's the star on a team in the top third of the league. I'm sure he could be a star on a championship team. You know, maybe not the star on a title team. That, you know, that's, that's got to be proven. Um, but Jamal Crawford, I don't know. Should I, should I click on I got to find that comment, click on that guy's profile and see if, he's a, see if he's a Laker fan, a Clipper fan, a Warrior fan, something like that. Trying to get, trying to get Jazz. There's nothing started. wrong with being a Jamal Crawford. You've been in the, you've been in the league for a long time, man. And you could but shoot it. That's not good enough. No. And and Tony getting rid of his caddy, great. Sucks for the caddy, <laughs> but great. Just show some. You don't have to just fly off the handle. You said it with Bob Casper. You know, you got to be a bleep. Well, there's ways to be a bleep without just being a total in public all the time. You know, I told you I read a thing. I saw a documentary on Rick Barry, and I and I barely remember Rick Barry playing, but I know that he was a heck of a player, and he was saying, you know, people hated me on the floor, and I wanted them to hate me on the floor. But if you saw me on the street, you wouldn't think that. That's not who I am out on the street. But on the court, yes, that's who I am. And that's what drove Rick Barry. And Rick Barry, if Rick Barry played today, my guess is, you know, he'd be a heck of a player because he was a great, great player. I have just tinges of memories, but you can just look it up and you can see today. You can look up anything. Yeah. It's literally the world is at your fingertips. And you can see Rick Barry, and you can probably see the documentary that I saw. And so, yeah, that's, that's what's required. So, actually, when I saw that Tony, you know, and I heard the jokes, oh, yeah, just uh, fire your – Keep the caddy for Thursday and Friday, but fire him for Saturday, Sunday. You know, then that that word that stuff was out there. Meaning, you know, Tony, it's really on you. But you know, Bob Casper, who knows more about this situation than we do, says that you know he needs somebody to get in his face to push him a little bit, and maybe that's that's what it is. I don't know that Boyd Summerhays or now we understand that Tony's going to have his brother do it. I'm not sure that's it. Maybe it is. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Uh, I know people who know his brother very, very well and, and golf with him regularly, and maybe that's what the case is, man. But there's got to be something. Right now, something's missing. And with the Jazz, you know, it's, they're, they're not a particularly uh, close to the title. But they got pieces and add some more pieces, add some more attitude. And that's why I, I like Gobert basically coming out and saying, what was it, who did he quote? Uh, Keyshawn Johnson, give me the damn ball. Because that, <laughs> that puts that that puts Gobert on notice now. It does. All it right, does, buddy. Yeah, you know. Also, I never minded the Donovan, uh, you know, yelling something out on the way to the locker room. That no, you don't want your fourth grader saying it. I get that, but I also thought that you know, a little overreaction from people around him, like the market's not going to react that poorly to it. That you got to ban cameras from that part of the arena. You know, how many times did we see Jerry Sloan <laughs> just completely go nuts on TV? Jerry was so famous for it. His, his first wife, Bobby, sat halfway around the arena. She told me once, I said, what are you doing sitting over here? You're Bobby Sloan. You can sit anywhere in the arena. She says, I'm as far away from his foul mouth as I can get. If I move any farther away, I'll start moving closer on the other side of the arena. And I don't want it. I mean, we all knew that Jerry could drop all kinds of combinations you didn't want your fourth grader saying 
But how much respect did that guy well, have? Speak for yourself on the fourth grader. By the way. <laughs> you want your fourth grader? Is my, is my fourth grader at the dinner table, or is he out on a ball field? <laughs> All right, I'll give you that. I'll give you that one. Uh, so you know, Carl <laughs> Malone got picked up by a few microphones on the court a few times. I mean, he was no Jerry Sloan, but you know, every once in a while. So. Uh, you know, it's like, I think the thing that made it good with Donovan was that so many things seemed to come so quickly and so easily to him. And they probably didn't come that quickly or easily. But, you know, look from it when you're just watching on TV, right? It looks like it's coming quickly and easily. And the fact that he was bugged that they didn't get more that early in his career, that was the thing that was reassuring to Jazz fans. Like, yeah, this guy's gotten a lot very quickly, but he's not satisfied. That's good. That's the good thing. It's so. great. Absolutely was great. I was I love that he was furious. That, that made my day. And and apparently I've ruined a lot of people's day here in the last <laughs> couple of weeks. Well, that made my day. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Steve Cleveland's talking hoops with us in 15 minutes. Stay with us on 97.5, 12.80 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It's been a long four months. Welcome back. Oh, Donovan, don't do me like that. But finally, the NBA is back. Back up and hammer. That is filthy, Rudy. Catch every second of every moment of Utah Jazz basketball. As the Jazz resume play from the bubble in Orlando, your exclusive home of the Utah Jazz is right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. And now, your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealer's strong play of the weekend. The pitch, swinging a high fly ball, right field, fairly deep, going back, Castellanos looking up, and it's gone, a home run! (laughs) C.J. Crone goes opposite field. There's the Chevy Strong play of the game. The former Ute, the former Salt Lake Bee, with a game winner. Two-run homer in the ninth inning of the Tigers' 3-2 win over the Reds. That's the Chevy Strong play of the game. Know it today at 4.50 on the Big Show, and you can win fabulous prizes. As the great philosopher Snoop Dogg once said, This guy sucks. Like a sucker bunch. It's time to reward the losers in sports with another edition of This Guy Sucks. You suck. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. All right, who really sucked this weekend? The games are back. You know, the winner may not be known yet, PK. Uh, we're going to have to find a backstory because now not only has the Marlins game tonight been canceled, their home opener, but now the Phillies-Yankees game has been postponed. I guess the game hasn't been canceled. It's been postponed. But both these games have been postponed because the Marlins have had an outbreak spread through a bunch of the staff and the players and all that. If, we, if, if they trace this back to the route of you know, somebody doing something crazy like, you know, Lou Williams. If somebody went with Lou Williams to Atlanta and did that, then they're going to win. This guy sucks. Because this is why the this is why the NBA and the MLS went to a bubble, right? There's too many cases. We can't have people traveling all over the country and thinking we won't have an outbreak. So they're in the bubble, and the bubble seems to be working for both of them. 
Uh, they keep announcing, you know, big groups of tests and, and no positives. So the bubble seems to be working. But, you know, we're into the first weekend of the baseball season now, and we got two games postponed tonight. And you got to wonder what this means for college football and for the NFL. I think they're going to go ahead and try to play, but are they going to be able to pull it off? Or is one person either going to do something ridiculous or just be unfortunate and cross paths with somebody, you know? I mean, you could be at the gas station or the grocery store just, you know, not taking any crazy risks and, and have something, I guess, you know, get exposed. Well, I don't know that college football players are going to be any more higher increased risk playing the game to get it as opposed to living their life and get it. Right. Well, we saw that with some of the early explanations for the early outbreaks. You know, LSU, 30 guys, well, they went to a club. You know, they didn't get it playing football. They got to go into a club. And for Texas, so you it was, still argue that they would be less likely if they're together. You know, and I think there's a lot to that. And I also think they're less likely if they're together on a campus that is partially open. You know, if the business class and the poli sci and the history and the English, any of the lectures that have 100 to 1,000 kids in them are online and those students aren't on campus, and if it's medical students and international students and uh People studying science, you got to be in a lab. Any of the arts, you know, the, where you've got to be there because the music or the dance or whatever it is. And the sports teams, well, if that's only 10 or 20% of the campus, that's way easier to spread out from dorms to wherever you are on campus. It's way easier to spread out. That seems like the best case scenario. Some schools will have that. Some will be all in person. Some will be all online. It'll probably be a mix. Good. So play ball. I think they will. I just wonder once they start playing if they'll have an outbreak like the Marlins and Phillies have here and end up with more games getting postponed. You know, how often will that happen? Well, that's why you're going conference only, so you can have the flexibility. Yeah. I got a couple. What do you got? Well, certainly you got to go Shohei Otani. I mean, he sucked. Five runs. Five runs, zero outs. Didn't get out of the first inning. Didn't get an out in the first inning. That's never good. No. And then I got to go your favorite network, ESPN. What'd they do? Well, they put out there that the WNBA players walked off while the national anthem was being played, which they didn't do, apparently. Oops. They went before, which is what every college football team does. College football teams usually, not always, but usually are not out there for the national anthem. Usually in the, t- in the right. locker room. Well, it's what the NFL did for years and years until the Defense Department paid them to bring the players out. Well, so smart. That's, they're in the business of making money. There it is. Uh, so we – and I saw these women, oh, the WNBA, if a tree falls in the forest, blah, blah, blah. So they take all these shots at the WNBA. You know, if you don't like women's basketball, fine, don't watch it. No, one, no one's forcing you to watch it, you know. Who, I mean, who cares if you don't like it? Some, some people want to watch it. If uh, you don't want to watch it, your call. I don't care either way. Uh, but don't rip them for doing something that has been done many, many times over. They just went in the locker room, as I understand it, right? Which Correct. is where yeah. teams have been for years and years in, yes. mul- in multiple sports. Sports you know. I guess that's a form of protest, but that's a pretty mild form, is it not? Yeah, that's something I'm going to get worked up over. Now, I personally. I'm going to go Mike Dicka on them. <laughs> Leave the country. <laughs> and then after Randy goes, ah, but I'm old school. <laughs> when do you expect that from Mike Dicka? Doesn't I would seem have like, been 
Whatever Mike Dick is asked about, it's going to be to the extreme. A, it's going to be the extreme, and B, of course he wasn't going to want people. I mean, that was that that's predictable. That was so predictable, and I saw that. I mean, what else is Mike Dick going to say? <laughs> but the way he says it is: Is Mike Dick an ultimate tough guy? Is there more tough guy than Mike Dicka? Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know. Somebody could be tied for tough guy with Mike Dicka. But nobody's more tough guy than Mike Dicka. I mean, you got to put J-Slow in that. What do they have in common? Chicago. Uh, tough guy. <laughs> tough guy. They're tough guys, right? Aren't they not tough guys? I guess Ditka also has uh, Dallas, right? Because he played for the Cowboys. Hey, he played for the Cowboys, yeah. Uh, you know, in, in, a, in an era where the tight end wasn't... Uh, as, was more a blocker than a receiver, yeah. and he turned it into both. Right. But, I mean, now they can be celebrities beyond uh, football players. I don't know that you could. You could be good, and, and you'd be great, actually. But I don't know where they actually sold. Maybe they were. Maybe I'm just, I don't know. I'm too, I don't, I don't know what I'm talking about here. But, but it seems like Gronkowski, Ditka could be a Gronkowski today. Yeah. Because the, this, the world allows a Gronkowski to be who he is beyond football. I mean, he's a great player, obviously, but it seems like he's known Gronk. You know, and you got the name Gronk. You know, it seems like if you know anything about football, whether you do or you don't, you know about Gronk. But nevertheless, old Ditka, Mr. Tough Guy. Better have one more nominee here. John Wilner, the hammer, just tweeted out while you were talking. Remember when the Pac-12 wasn't going to play football if classrooms were closed? Well, classrooms are closing. So what happened? I had to stop following him, man. He was getting too political. Well, it does seem like a little bit of hypocrisy here. If Most of the uh, schools in the league are going to remote-only instruction. And i got to admit, off the top of my head, I, I can't roll through them and tell you what each one of them are doing. Why, but, why uh, is it hypocrisy? Well, if they said that they weren't going to play, if there was no school on campus, if there were no, you know, if the cl- if the classrooms weren't open, why are they playing? If Your the hero aren't Fauci open? said masks don't matter. Now wear a mask, or somebody's going to spruff mace you in the store. I saw over the weekend. Once we once we open the door for hypocr- hypocrisy, we don't get to pick and choose what we want for hypocrisy. Everybody is hypocritical, except me, and I'm (laughs) two-faced. Okay. So the memo there is, if you're going to change your mind, change your mind early. Get in front of the curve. If you're on the back end of the curve, you're viewed as an idiot. The fact is, everybody's changing their mind, but the people who change their mind first, they get treated like heroes. The people who change their mind at the end get treated like idiots. I mean, I'm so sick of hearing this politics. Oh, well, if that would have been Obama. Oh, if that would have been Trump. Shut up. Everybody (laughs) on every side is hypocritical. I'm so sick of it. DJ and PK, when we come back, Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, will get his thoughts on the NBA restarting, what that looks like. Stay with us.